Welcome to Rebuilders. My name is Liddy. I'm here with Mark and Daniel and currently no edible items, but no. they're on their way. No. Um, Mark, I believe you have a confession for the listeners. Well, I don't know if it's a confession. I think it um, is. No, I think it's a liberation. It is. Um, well, you know, often we have, you know, quite sort of, you know, fancy pastries from, you know, great Melbourne eateries. Uh, but today we're proving that we're a podcast of the people and we're breaking the Melbourne sort of hipster stereotypes and we have ordered a dozen donuts from uh, 7-Eleven. Yes, we have. And I will eat them with, with, with freedom. <laughs> freedom from freedom. judgment. Freedom. freedom from judgment. It's, it's worth noting though that 7-Eleven – Donuts are Krispy Kreme donuts. So yeah, it's not – they're not bacon donuts while topping up your car. They're, they're freshly baked. From, from <laughs> freshly <laughs> baked from Krispy Kreme. Two hours away in a factory. Digging, <laughs> digging yourself brought there a hole at, there. You know, last, yesterday at 4 a.m. Uh, well, now that we have uh, revealed to you the, the secrets of our – The inner workings of our – Pastry yeah. <laughs> We'll move on to the content for the day. I uh, just want to say a big thank you to all of our listeners who sent through questions um, mm. for our listener questions episode, which might be more than one episode. We shall see as we go along. Um, but the first question we might field is actually a question from the room oh. and the only other person in the room, aside from Mark and I, as you already know, is Daniel. Hi. Um, Daniel, you have a question. Mm, yes. I um, One of the uh, – over the last 18 months, we have, as, as staff, Lydia and I can yes. attest to this, we have yep. uh, had the privilege – Of eating um, donuts. <laughs> of eating donuts. <laughs> of having semi-regular COVID updates from you, Mark, um, oh. as to what's happening – here in Victoria and Australia and, and particularly how that uh, intersects with, I suppose for us as, as pastors and leaders within our local church, mm. what do we need to be aware of? What do we need to, mm. um, yeah, decisions need to be made and mm. we're thinking about the, a couple months ahead and that kind of stuff. But I'd be interested just to, I know you keep up with what's happening around the world and um, how, where I suppose COVID's at mm. across the world. Um, but, yeah, what is there any kind of trends or kind of, I know, meta themes that you're seeing that yeah. um, will also translate to what mm. the local pastors, mm. wherever they found themselves. Mm. Yeah, good question. Um, I think there's a couple of things to note. One is obviously COVID creates an unpredictable environment, but then there's a sense of predictability in that much of what's happened is actually sort of very similar to the game plan, not game plan, but, you know, how, how experts sketched out it would happen. Sure, yeah. Um, you know, and and where we are sort of now is, you know, it was almost the first phase where it was just sort of containment. Um, then you had the second phase, you know, vaccines came along and, um, you know, uh, you've seen waves of infection. Uh, you've got some place like South Africa, I think it's like fourth or fifth wave. Um, and uh, where I think we're entering into a new phase. So I think that's important for people. And really it's sort of variance and variance where you've got some of the population vaccinated and others not. And what does that mm -hmm. mean? So early on, you know, all the questions people were asking were like, oh, okay, so, you know, how do we do church online and stuff like that? Yep. And then it was like, well, how do you regather 
depending where you are and, you know, what does it look like to do an embodied service again after you've done digital? Do you keep your digital stream going? All these sort of questions. But I think we're in a new phase now and Delta has, you know, been the sort of variant that they were worried about coming along. Yeah. So basically, you know, again, um, this relates somewhat to our complexity from a complicated world to a complex world is mm. that in a complex world, the rules keep changing. So what variants do is they change the rules. Mm. And, um, you know, the Delta um, variant has rapidly overtaken the world. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think about its emergence in India, it wasn't that long ago, you know, it was about a couple of months ago, two yeah. or three months ago, you know, just emerged and, and already it's it's become the sort of dominant strain in the world. You've got Lambda in, uh, in South America, which I think came out of Peru. Um, so, you know, that that's changing things and the rules change. You know, it's, it's more transmissible. You just see in cases in Australia where people are getting outside, um, if it goes into a house, almost everyone gets it, you know, if they're not vaccinated. Um, and uh, so what this means going forward is this creates a huge problem. So yeah. I think some of the thought was um, for governments and people in, in leadership, and this will filter down to church leadership, but, you know, there's a hope that sort of all, you know, off, off some point viruses do peter out and sort of burn out. Um, so, you know, maybe with some vaccination levels and um, some you know, containment, it will disappear. But really what we find, and even there was the thought around herd immunity, you know, mm. that if enough mm. people get infected, you know, we get to this point where it'll just disappear away. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that all is possible. But really what we're seeing with Delta, you know, places like Australia, which had done really well, and even some places in Asia, which had done well, um, you know, you think Japan and, and Singapore and these places have found, you know, COVID, uh, Delta getting through the defences. So this pre- presents a huge problem. Um, we, so we had recently here in Melbourne, um, you had transmission at outdoor sporting events. Mm. So, you know, in the other wave, you could have outdoor events and stuff like that, you know, limited, capped. Um, but this is a game changer. So what's really interesting, I think the next phase that people need to prepare for. So first of all, there is some people will be listening to this. I know I spoke to some you know, people in the US um, a few days ago and like, oh, wow, it feels like it's coming back, you know, and I was talking to people a couple of months ago, you know, in the US and, and some other place in Europe were talking about, oh, you know, now we're in the post-COVID era and I was like, are we? <laughs> um, and I think, you know, Delta is, you know, surging in the US at the moment. Um, it depends what state you're in um, and, you know, haven't really hit the peak, which I think they're predicting is in September. Um, you know, already hospitalizations happening. So you're going to see another wave. Um, I think Germany is talking about all well, these leaked documents this morning of Germany talking about going to lockdown again. Um, so what you're seeing is this huge problem for governments. Obviously, life has to, you know, like the economic cost of, of, of Delta is significant. And what you're seeing is interesting is, you know, where this will go is that governments have to come up with a solution. How do you keep life going? How do you keep economy going mm. with this thing going around, you know, of getting 50% of the population vaccinated and some with herd immunity? It's not stopping it. Um, so part of the problem that we're hitting is when you've got, say, you know, 60, 70% of your population vaccinated and then you've got 30, 40% unvaccinated, it creates what they call a, uh, you know, this sort of um, reservoir where the virus can just continue to spiral around and then adapt. So, you know, it's going up to the person with, you know, vaccination protection and it'll try this combination. Then it doesn't work. It tries that combination. Now, you think of every single person in the world at this point in time with COVID and just how that's – so the virus learns. The virus is adaptable. And that's where you get variants from. So we're currently in a delta phase, which means that 
um, what they're saying is it's, it's becoming unfeasible to go, oh, look, whoever wants to get the vaccine, just get the vaccine and we'll be protected because there is some vaccine, you know, some small vaccine escape at this stage um, so that people, you know, with, with vaccination still may get infected. Um, but what that means is that the unvaccinated segment of the population presents a threat to the rest of the population. Mm-hmm. Just say you've got 30% unvaccinated, 30% unvaccinated with a raging pandemic going through them still can overwhelm a health system. Like a lot of people don't realize, you know, major cities still only may have a couple thousand ICU beds. Mm-hmm. And that means, you know, the people with heart attacks, the people who, you know, have a stroke, the people have an aneurysm, car accident, um, you know, falling accident, whatever they're not going to find beds. And that's already happening in some states in the US and you're seeing that in places in Europe and other parts of the world. So you can see the thinking of the governments, how this is going to affect churches. The thinking of governments is already like, okay, we've got to come up with some solution for this. And there's pressure from industry. So, for example, here in, in Australia, you've got the big sporting coats whose yeah. money is based on backsides on seats. You've got you know, the big airlines, the travel industry, you've got the theatre industry, you've got shopping malls, you've got um, music. You know, music, music venues, concerts. Mm-hmm. I mean, just to go on concerts one sec, you know, so there was sort of the test case, I think it was that, it was that outdoor concert in, in the Netherlands, you know, which I think that, oh, you know, yeah, sort yeah, of like, yeah. you know, we'll have, I oh, come in if you've got a vaccine passport or you've got a negative test and there was like, thou- you know, something like a thousand people got COVID from it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they've just had Lollapalooza, um, with Limp Biscuit, <laughs> so, um, which is the fact that they still yeah, are around, still is around, most um, amusing to me. One hundred ten thousand people in Chicago. There was the I think it was Rolling Loud concert. It was like a week ago in in Florida, which you know now there's like Florida surging. So even when you're sort of putting these mitigations like um, oh, a negative test, that what that's doing is still you know, unless it's really tightened um, and you've got unvaccinated people there or people who who may um, get the virus but are protected from serious illness with the vaccination and then take it back to unvaccinated people in their household, yeah, okay. there's problems. Mm. So where all this is 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 inevitably going is towards vaccine passports. Mm. And I think New York today mandated uh, vaccine passports for I think restaurants and eateries and, and gyms. Um, you're seeing that happen in, in multiple jurisdictions around. You know, in France, you know, the French government's indicating where this is going to go. The Australian government's, you know, had some leaks. <laughs> you know, you got to love a strategic leak to warn everyone before something happens. Um, and and so basically, they're going to, you know, where this gets to is versus like going into people's homes and jabbing them, which is not going to happen. Um, you create this incentive system where you know only certain things are accessible to you. You can only fly domestically if you're vaccinated. You know, yeah. all all this is going to happen. Um, I think. Um, now, where this will filter down for churches is it is very possible. Again, to different jurisdictions listening to this. We've got people all over the world. So, yeah. recognize the complete diversity and even within countries, you know, something that may happen in Alberta and Canada may not happen in British Columbia um, or Nova Scotia. But um, I think that you're going to see a pattern across the world of um, vaccine passports already happening in some places. Mm-hmm. This is sort of how China's doing it, you know, where your phone will be green or red. And uh, that could be brought in with churches. If it's brought in with public spaces, um, there is a possibility that may be mandated in some environments for churches. Okay, so if you're a pastor hearing this um, and it says, this is my little thing, you need to prepare for how you lead through that. Mm. Now, there's all the stuff around, you know, people listening like this, there'll be everything from bring it on to, oh, my goodness, rights here. You know, again, too, there's a diversity of political you know, opinions listening to this show, I'm sure, because we've got people listening all over the world. But more, I guess, my uh, without you know going into all of that, I would say more 
start preparing in your mind of how you will lead a church where perhaps coming to in-person worship could require a vaccine mandate that maybe is mandated by the state or the city or the whatever, um, which could mean, you know, you think about that going f- forward. Um, so it could mean that you continue to do digital church for those who don't want to get vaccinated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you lead through that, you know, in some countries which are more polarised? Um, in France, you know, there's huge protests, you know, this big issue in the US, probably less so in places like Australia and New Zealand. But, um, you know, you've got, um, you know, that's going to be another political hot potato. You know, theologically people will be arguing, what does it mean if we exclude the unvaccinated? You, yeah, you hear totally. all this sort of stuff. Again, not necessarily giving you any answers on how to lead through that because I think it's, you know, you've got to follow the Lord in the environment that you're in, um, you know, with the laws that are over you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say start thinking about it now. You know, it could be six months away, it could be a year away. But I think what we're seeing now is COVID is not going away. Mm. Um, you know, I saw like for the US to get fully vaccinated to the point where to reach 70%, which even still um, a lot of experts are saying, you know, with Delta, we need, you know, 90 possibly, 80, 90. Um, I think they'll get there at a current rate by April 2022, I think, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's if everything goes well. Now, the other thing that no one is really thinking yet, but again, we have to be prepared for, is a new variant. Hmm. Now, it could burn hmm. out. That happens with with things. But there could be an even more infectious variant. <laughs> um, and there was some modelling done by, I think, Sage in the UK, which is sort of pro- government body, saying that there is a possibility that one will come that will be have the high transmissibility and even higher um, deadliness. Hmm. Um, so, again, too, we have, um, a, you know, I think if, if you're thinking life is going to return to some sort of normality um, very soon, it's not. Um, I know in the UK there's some drop-off um, in daily cases and hospitalizations, but again, to you know, these things don't go in a straight line. It's exponential bursts and 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 spurts. Some of that could be also because they had a huge spike. With you know, if you look across Europe, there was spikes. Really interesting. So quick side effect. <laughs> Uh, after the Euros, football Euros uh, 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 finals in in Europe, there was a spike in COVID, um, uh, which which we know is linked to um, uh, the Euros because it was primarily around I think it was like men eighteen to thirty five, yeah, interesting, who were gathering and like so like pretty much before then genders got it equally, but then for like the Euros and like a few weeks after it was almost you know it went like sixty percent men getting it. So that shows us that there's these cultural dynamics. So again, we don't know if that drop off is you know falling on from the euro. So long and short, um, be prepared for um, yeah vaccine passports. How would you manage that? Um, you know, some people will be listening to this thing. I never thought we'd go into lockdown. That may happen again. Um, and yeah, an unpredictable future, which is really what this this. Um, uh, podcast has been trying to communicate to people. Yeah. Mm. Um, to but be again, agile too. and flexible. Yes, exactly. And, and, you know, to reframe this as opportunity, you know, mm. when you know, many people who listen to this in the developed world, we accepted the fact that, hang on, oh, we're sort of like, you know, going to have this stable, privileged life, you know. Um, this is how most of humanity have lived and I think there's an opportunity in the midst of this. There's your update, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. It's helpful. And it's kind of indicative of one of our previous episodes of the complex mm. world we're still living in. It's, yeah. It's not going back to just a complicated... Mm. linear thing it's we're gonna continue to live in this reality yes um so adjusting accordingly and Mm. yeah yeah man
we just had a little pause mm. for the donuts. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, they were nice. We and went really quickly. We yeah. inhaled them. <laughs> inhaled them. Gone. Um, Doesn't age. That is a lie. It's the staple diet of every builder's host. But whilst we were eating them, you had another a thought that you wanted to add. Oh, just just on the you know <laughs> realizing that. Um, after you know, like the, after that update, <laughs> it, it is it is challenging, um, but it's just interesting. I think to like being a leader, you know, is also being attuned to what is happening in the environment, and how can you marry what God is doing, inviting people into, and in what's happening in the environment, mm-hmm. even when it's challenging. I was watching our local news here the other night, and we'd been we'd just come out of our fifth lockdown. Yep, that's a lot, and. Um, I don't know about you guys, but like it's it's almost like in the last even in even in our church congregation, it's like once we got to the fourth lockdown, it's like something just clicked, and it's like people are all right. This is life now, and mm. you could see their values and their worldview changing. And so on the news, it was just interesting. They were like, you know, it was interesting they had a news item about not going into lockdown, but oh well, Melbourne's coming out of lockdown. But they just went along, I don't know if it was Montague Street or something in South Melbourne, I can't remember where it was, and and they were like, you know, it was just interviewing people like, you know, what are you doing? And there was like a family catching up in a cafe, which you can do now, and, you know, they were like, oh, you know, how are you experiencing this? And the guy just said, look, you know, I think with life now, I'm just happy even if I, I'm just catching up with my family and I'm just happy about this now, you yeah. know. And there was another guy who was just sitting at the front of a, a, a you know, pub thing having a beer outside with his mate and he's just like mate you know like this is life now i'm happy I've, I've, there's the sun's out the footy's on in the background i'm having a beer with my mate and you know and i watched and i thought wow this is a fascinating recalibration because you know you go back two years ago in melbourne there's this expectation you've been doing all these amazing things jetting around the world going on mm. these events running around like a headless chicken and i think in, in in our city at least i think you're seeing this recalibration i think we've seen that in church where almost like there was this whole thing of like waiting to get back to normal um, but then i think there's a realization like you know this is what it is i got to push into my faith and so i think that yeah. as much as you know and perhaps even for areas thinking oh my goodness we thought this was over we're going back into lockdown what are the opportunities in that and what god is doing in people you know um, I think there's one thing about this this virus, you know, you look at even parts of the world which, you know, almost fell into a bit of hubris like, oh, we've beaten this, yeah. um, you know, and then it's it's come back. Um, there's an element, there's a humbling, but there's also an openness um, where people, those, like, I remember, I don't know if you remember, Terry Walling said, you know, like it takes a certain time for a pattern to be established. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was a few months ago and he's like, we're well past that now, 100 days or whatever. I mean, we're 18 months, you know, so in two years, like really there is a w- new world is now baked in. Mm. So how do we sort of adjust? We can't. What, what can't we control? We can't control these bigger things happening in the world. Yeah. But we can control our response, and we can control how we lead people into the invitation of how God grows us. And you know, C.S. Lewis said, you know, God speaks to us most loudly in our pain. And you know, I think there's you know this for leaders. Yeah, there's all the frustrations, the disappointment, there can even be fear. But there's something happening in people. Not everyone, but there's something happening in people. And I think leaders at this moment are tuned to. Well, you need to just have your little sort of radar out. Mm. You know, okay, there's a change in that person. God's doing something. Are they softened or you know, you know, like uh, so? I think that's a, that's a really helpful way. I think to reframe this moment. Yeah, that is super helpful. Um, Great. Well, let's move on uh, to a listener question from mm. Joel. 
the current season of Rebuilders is amazing with Rebuilders being geared more toward church leaders. What would you like to discuss if there were a current episode of this cultural moment? Mm. What shifts and movements do you see happening that will affect and influence cultures within the next few years? Wow, great question. Mm. <laughs> That's a very good question. Okay, if I was to do an episode of this cultural moment now, okay, so I guess I guess really the question is like, what are the broad sort of trends that any person yeah. in the world needs to be yeah. interested in? I think with this cultural moment, I think part of it was analyzing and interpreting some significant cultural changes that were happening. Yeah, um, you know, some of that was in response to some of the sort of political surprises, Trump election, Brexit, these sort of things. Um, also, some of the questions around, you know, obviously we were doing it in, in, in Portland. Um, you know, what does it mean to follow God in cities like Melbourne or Portland? Um, you know, and how do you do that? And how do you just understand all these different things that are happening? Sure. So I feel like in some ways what it was was, um, you know, interpreting and commentating on a big cultural change that's happened. If I was to do an episode of Cultural Moment now, I would um, – uh, or for you know, really the question is, you know, what what are the next changes that we need to be attuned to? Mm. I think we move through that period, and almost some of the roots of what's happening now lean back to there. But then there's also some disruptions from what was happening there. Yeah, I cast my mind back to I think it was an episode where we talked about, um, uh, you know, this idea that so in in, in Portland there's Powell's Bookstore, the iconic Powell's Bookstore. And, you know, I think we'd been in there and there was this wall of books. I think I talked about there's a wall of books and they're all sort of proclaiming, you know, this huge disruption in the culture, worrying about the rise of fascism and, you know, environment and all mm -hmm. this sort of stuff. And the sort of like contradiction of then going back to, you know, John Mark and I would catch up, you know, we'd meet at um, Heart Coffee <laughs> before and talk about what we're going to talk about and then wander up and record and I think we told the story there was these Danish girls who were sort of visiting Portland and there was a Portland um, young woman sort of explained to them like, oh, democracy is you know, in danger, you know, and they're sort of listening yeah. to her. But sort of like I think we talked about the, um, you know, dichotomy of like, well, you're looking around Portland on a sunny day, you know, this sort of like it looked really nice and there's <laughs> good coffee and, and this sort of, you know, gentrifying urban space um, that's sort of trying to sort of chart a new kind of sort of city and stuff like this. Mm. Uh, that's changed. Yeah. Uh, Portland has changed as many places around the world. And I think that that line of like, well, there's this fear in the culture yeah. and this fear of change, like we've now actually seen disruption you know, yeah. and COVID being one of the key drivers. But again, too, you know, you look at Portland and, you know, um, all that sort of went through in 2020 and, you know, like um, I obviously haven't been back to Portland because I haven't been travelling, but, you know, just some talking to some friends there, you know, just saying downtown there's parts that are boarded up and different things going on. You know, it's really quite transformed. Yes. So in a sense, looking back uh, at this cultural moment, in some ways it was sort of like predicting what could possibly – or getting people up to speed with the changes that happened. Um, so I think the first thing is in a sense, like you could look at like this cultural moment was like phase one. Mm. And so, you know, I think also like phase one was almost um, – there is this new sort of mood in the culture. Cultural Christianity is going, sort of almost this dominant culture, particularly in terms of government, popular culture, of mm -hmm. almost these sort of progressive values. How do we as the church be faithful in such a place? And, you know, particularly I think, you know, uh, you know, churches like, you know, Red, Bridgetown, other churches around the place who were, you know, sort of preaching 
the Bible, um, trying to be faithful in a church and be culturally conversant and sort of trying to continually to be formed in sort of a counterformation to the ways the world would slowly form us. Yes. So the things then, you know, well, the disruption of the mobile phone, the disruption of personalised anxiety that mm-hmm. we may feel. Um, I feel that's radically changed. <laughs> Phase two is radical disruption, yeah. um, where it's no longer just about the disruption of the you know, mobile phone or the fact that, you know, you're overwhelmed with FOMO, fear of missing out, or, um, you know, there's a bit of pressure in the media against Christians. Um, really, I think the dynamics that we've spoken about, you know, probably since then um, on this podcast around a networked world decentralization, they've really yes. kicked into gear. Yeah. Um, you know, and in some ways sort of that, you know, Trump era disruption sort of over, but then there's been a definite new direction charted. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's much more sort of like unknown and unpredictable. Um, and I think in some ways, I think part of the invitation then as well for Christians that um, uh, you know, it, 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 it's uh, the disruptive world has this ability to undo you at a rapid rate, whereas mm-hmm. if before it's like how do we be in these environments, how do we be a church in a city like Portland or Melbourne or San Francisco or London or whatever? How do we be a believer working perhaps in a secular field in one of those places? Well, we need to make sure that we're just stepping into these formational rhythms. 2020 happens, COVID, everything. And it's just like, it's such hyperspeed and so disruptive, almost that sort of slow pattern. Um, you know, and I know people are pushing into that and just got completely disorientated by the pandemic because, you know, you didn't have those patterns that you could keep yes, pushing into. Yeah, yeah. And I, look, I, I think that um, the big trends, like I said, to answer the question, the big trends, I think that you know, obviously COVID is continuing. Mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, it could continue on. Um, it could, you know, at least go another sort of six months. You know, that's probably very optimistic. Um, you know, that's changing the world. That's changing cities. You know, yes. if you go back to this cultural moment, it's like how do you live in cities? Cities are being fundamentally changed. Mm-hmm. Um uh, I would also look at, um, I think politics is, is you know, one of the things we talked about is polarization. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really interesting. There was a fascinating um, uh, Pew research done uh, recently about, uh, put some up my Instagram, about polarization around the world. And what it said is that countries, it's fascinating. So basically the United States has become more polarized um, since the pandemic. Netherlands has become more polarized, the number of European countries more polarized. Um, but then interesting, like Australia, New Zealand, Singapore, less polarized. Really fascinating. You think Australia has the same social media, Australia has 80% of the same TV shows. Yep. Australia has speaks English, you know, like we're awash in American culture. Um, we've been through the pandemic, we've been through multiple lockdowns, you know, mask mandates, all this sort of stuff. Um, you know, we're also in a historic conversation around race. We've had, you know, whole things around, you know, like gender equality in federal parliament. You know, so a lot of the same sort of fractal, fractious arguments are there, yet we've emerged more unified. So fascinating. And, and basically what Pew was saying is that part of that is around sort of competency in government. Okay. And because Australia, um, New Zealand, they're, they're in a sense that those countries, which in a sense the government has more competently kept deaths down, kept the economy going, um, have actually found themselves more unified out of this process. Um, now, we'll see, again, COVID's an unpredictable future. We'll see what happens with that. But um, I think one thing that is a big trend is going to see, particularly an- what you're seeing is there is a significant shaking occurring in Western Europe, and include the United Kingdom in that, 
and the United States that is occurring in this phase that was that is more disruptive and more shaking than was occurring in the cultural moment phase. Okay. Um, and you know, greater polarization. But then that's also happening. The other big trend I would point to is geopolitics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the rise of China is a huge thing, and and I, I talk about it a bit because I think that people don't estimate estimate really what that means. Yeah. And again, you know, since the end of World War II. Uh, you know, the world has been defined by, um, you know, what Henry Lewis called the American century. Mm-hmm. Um, in a sense, we're moving at, you know, and that created an American-led world order, World Bank, everything, Coca-Cola, popular culture, Hollywood. We don't realise how much even people who live in other countries are defined by the American century. Um, but that is passing and we're moving into a much different um, sort of like, I think, cultural phase the American um, sort of right-wing pundit slash firebrand, uh, late Andrew Breitbart, um, had a statement which is often repeated, which is that politics it lies downstream from culture. Mm. And I would actually reposit that as culture lies downstream from geopolitics. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, so, uh, you know, you're seeing um, uh, China – you know, it, the, the projections are it will double the GDP of the US in the next 10 years or so, you know, it will get beyond, it's going to be richer. Um, that's going to have an effect in the world. Um, so I think geopolitically, the fact that we could see more conflict in the world geopolitically, that has significant changes. The other thing I would, I would keep an eye on too is I think the environment is going to be a huge thing. You yeah. know, currently we're, you know, as we record, there is major fires, the kind of like what we see in Australia. We're sort of yes. a little bit used to it, grown up with it. But you're seeing that now around the Mediterranean. Mm. Um, you know, you saw record temperatures being set in, um, I think it was, can, you know, can, Canada's Arctic Circle, heat waves in, you know, northern parts of Canada. The environment will be an increasingly disruptive place. Uh, sorry, increasingly disruptive force in the world. Um, if you, you know, uh, it's the un- uninhabitable um, Earth by is it David Wallace Wells? You know, if if you read that, if he's getting ten percent of it right, it's a disruptive future. If he's getting hundred yeah. percent right, oh my goodness! Um, so I think that that's going to be you know one of the big things, and 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 you know I think also COVID. Increased geopolitical tension, the environment, all of that changed this sort of free world of movement that I think really came to an end, uh, you know, in March 2020. Yeah. And, uh, you know, even the supply chains uh, issues that we're experiencing in the world um, at the moment, you know, this, what the American century did is create this giant networked world. And really the dream was, in a sense, that that place could be. Um, you know, this free-flowing trade, information, liberty, capitalism, you know, but there's an increasing, um, uh, uh, you know, that it, 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 how does that operate under much more emergency scenarios, if that yeah, makes okay. sense? Yeah. The other thing too is I, I think that what we're going to see um, is uh, an increased, oh, this is a prediction, um, whereas phase one of um, – the pan uh, of this cultural moment, uh, you know, there was a lot of talk about progressivism mm-hmm. and you know progressivism in terms of you know as perhaps you know around sexuality and these sort of issues, identity sure. politics and so on. Yeah, I think we're already seeing as the biggest critique of a lot of these sort of progressive you know people call it invoke in in inverted commas woke stuff is actually now coming from the the left is really interesting, and what you're seeing if if you sort of keep an eye on who are the sort of culture setters. I predict we're going to see a return to a more economic left. 
Um, after the GFC, if you look at um, you know, so the return of sort of you know left parties around the world who are more economically focused, mm -hmm. the GFC sparked that. When you were going through these years of economic boom, um, you know left parties really struggled. You had you know the sort of emergence of this this middle way uh, sort of you know Tony Blair, Bill Clinton, um, sort of you know where you had like um, almost you know left wing. Uh, social policy, you know, left-wing sort of almost identity politics meets right-wing sort of capitalism. Mm -hmm. um, I think with the economic effect of the pandemic, and that's what a lot of people aren't speaking about, like we've been spared the economic effect of the pandemic because effectively we're printing money. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, so really we're not when we've not been spared it. Yes, yes. The ramifications exactly. will just come later. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. something like a quarter, something insane, like the quarter of the money in the world is printed in the last year. Like it's unbelievable. You know, so there's a lot of people saying we're in a bubble. Again, I don't know what that looks like. You know, is that a massive depression or is it just an ongoing recession? Mm -hmm. um, so I think you're going to see the issue of economic inequality married to with issues of corruption around the world, economic corruption, you know, and endemic and entrenched. And you're going to see an increasing movement um, you know, questioning those things around economic inequality. I think that's going to be huge perhaps in, you know, sort of a couple of years, particularly if the economic effects, people job loss and stuff like that because of COVID. Um, you know, a lot of the economies which have kept young people in in work um, are dependent upon movement and stuff like that and COVID has stopped a lot of that. Um, so I think that the – how would I sort of summarise it? The, the cultural moment sort of analysis I was trying to do was – the world's changing. That yeah. sort of, you know, 90s, we're just going to move to utopia world and, you know, you can have a great church and let's be relevant and the world's going to love you. And I was trying to say, hang on, relevance doesn't cut it anymore. Um, you now need to be resilient, if you like, in, in yes. you know, these sort of like secular soil of these cities. Now everything's being disrupted, even secularism. I mean, COVID eats individualism <laughs> like um you know covid uh secularism is based on the world continuing to you know deliver this life which is wonderful that you don't need god and that's all being disrupted so i think this phase is much more disruptive um and um having said all that that all sounds very dire <laughs> um, and challenging this <laughs> already i was going to point that out yeah yeah this this is an upper um but again, too, again, mega themes that often are said in this podcast, crisis precedes renewal. Yeah. And, you know, it's these moments of tension that God always turns things around. And particularly, I just want to say, too, births, new kinds of leaders. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, hard soil becomes holy ground with the presence of God. That's good. And... Yeah, so timely and so important to come back to. Um, thank you so much for exploring that. Um, there's, a lot, there's a lot to get through there. Um, we will continue with another episode of Listener Questions. Thank you for tuning in to Rebuilders today. We're going to go and eat some more donuts. We just got through one question. We need to eat more donuts so we can answer more well, questions. Well, technically there were two. It's two. just that yes, one true. was fielded from our very own Daniel. Yes. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, listeners. Ooh.